Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. With SRN News, I am Michael Harrington in Washington. The first election workers are counting ballots today in Florida's bitterly close races for the U.S. Senate and governor, ramping up their efforts after the Secretary of State ordered a review of the two nationally watched contests yesterday. Outgoing Republican Governor Rick Scott says he will defeat incumbent Bill Nelson in the Democratic uh, in the uh, Senate race. Rather, he accuses Nelson of dirty tactics. Sir Nelson has gone to tr- gone to court to say that fraudulent ballots, fraudulent ballots that were not properly um, uh, delivered, signed, whatever, should have should be counted. Okay, Senator Nelson is clearly trying to find to trying to commit fraud to try to win this election. Scott, a guest on Fox News Sunday. Authorities say more than 8,000 firefighters battling three large wild blazes at both ends of California today. 25 people are dead. This is SRN News. They fought for you, for me, and for our future. You've earned our freedom with your sweat and your blood and your incredible sacrifice. We salute you. We salute your service. And we salute the flag you have so courageously protected your work in protecting our rights and keeping us safe does not go unnoticed we salute our american heroes and may god bless all veterans and our active military am 1280 the patriot we are supporting a night of family-friendly clean comedy with the triple espresso this thursday at the park square theater in downtown st paul triple espresso will have everyone from grade school students to grandparents laughing and they've been doing it for 20 years Buying Triple Espresso tickets through am1280thepatriot.com saves about $10 a ticket, and the Clean Comedy Night is supported by the Union Gospel Mission Twin Cities. Got a high today of 30, a low of about 18 in the evening. Looks like there's going to be some black ice on the road, so drive safe out there. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And go launch sequence. Engineering. Go flight. Master control. Go flight. Studio engineer. Go flight. We are go for launch in T minus three, two, one. We have liftoff. The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air. Live and local from the AM 1280 The Patriot Studios in Egan. Here is the closer, Brad Carlson. It is the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with another edition of the broadcast we like to call The Closer. That's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning into our show. You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org. And we are here to take your phone calls at 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter. Just use hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N show for any comments or questions. Regarding today's show content, as always, we appreciate you uh, tuning in on this uh, first weekend following the midterm elections. I know Mitch uh, uh, didn't get into a whole lot of election talk yesterday, but uh, Mitch's program was fantastic, by the way. He had on uh, the authors of The Girls Are Gone, a book about the uh, uh, the. Uh, the kidnapping of the two young girls back about six, seven years ago here in the uh, Twin Cities area where they were kept by family members at a ranch for ba- close to three years. Uh, you, you definitely, uh, the, the Grazini-Rucky uh, uh, twins that were, uh, or Grazini-Rucky sisters that were kidnapped and they kept by uh, uh, family members away from their uh uh, away from their father when uh, while mom and dad were going through a contentious divorce. Anyways, the girls are gone. Michael Broadcorp, Allison Mann. I'm definitely ordering that book, by the way, and they're not they're not paying me anything to say this. I'm just an extension of Mitch's show yesterday. I so enjoyed the segment. And uh, Mitch talked a little bit about the second hour of uh, what is the uh, greater threat to Western civilization. And no, it is not radical Islam. Um, what is it? Well, you're going to have to listen to Mitch's podcast to find out. It's a very, very compelling radio all 
all about. So uh, uh, anyways, uh, I am going to be talking about Election Day on this uh, show. I'm going to kind of break it up into a couple segments. I'll talk national election results in the first hour. And then uh, second hour, we're going to do all things local. Uh, good friends of the broadcast as well as uh, political observers themselves. Uh, Preya Samsundar and Jeff Kolb will be coming in studio. Again, that's for the entire 2 o'clock hour to break down all things Minnesota politics. And if uh, you're a Republican, it was not a very good night in the state of Minnesota this past Election Day. That is for certain. On a national level, uh, results mixed. Uh Although I will say things went about as I expected uh, nationally. I expected the Republicans to hang on to the U.S. Senate. They have, despite what's going on in Florida. Uh, Florida, as you heard during SRN News, and if you've been following the news at all this past week, Florida is going to go to a recount. Uh, There are some shenanigans afoot down in Broward County where they have been woefully lacking transparency in counting ballots. There's even been some allegations of them taking ballots that were damaged and tossing them and then taking basically unmarked ballots, marking those up and replacing those with the ballots that they considered were damaged. And they did this without anybody observing. Okay. Uh, Just blatantly uh, disregarding Florida election law and uh, governor Rick Scott, who was also the U S Senate candidate down there in Florida basically filed a suit saying that they're not being transparent, they're not Florida following Florida election law, and the judge agreed. So, uh, yeah, there's going to be uh, uh, some serious repercussions, we hope, once the recount is completed. So definitely keep an eye on that. But really, if it depends upon who you ask, who got the best of the midterm elections. Now, the Democrats took over the House of Representatives, so there is divided government again in Washington, and the stock market reflected the next day that, hey, Americans like divided government. You know, I mean, me, me being as, cons- as a conservative right of center, you know, I like the fact if there would be all conservatives in, in power. But not, uh, I don't know that a vast majority of the country uh, thinks is, is that partisan, you know, whether they're partisan left, partisan right. So the, the Republicans maintain the control of the Senate, even increase their membership. They're, they're going to finish with a minimum of 52 members. And if Rick Scott is certified as the winner you know, after the recount, it would be up to 53 members. And then uh, there's also, they're still counting ballots down in the Arizona Senate race. So uh, if uh, Martha McSally wins that, that would be up to uh, 54. If not, then that's essentially a, a flip. And so it'll be down to um, 53 again. So anyways, the point is, is that uh, this is important from the standpoint of the Supreme Court, uh, Supreme Court nominees, because uh, do you think the Democrats uh, collectively uh, crapped themselves, as my friend Rob Doerr said, when they found out the injury suffered by Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Now, of course, we pray for Justice Bader Ginsburg's well-being as she recovers from a fall at her home and apparently fractured some ribs. Now, when you're 85 years old and frail, as Bader Ginsburg is already, and you suffer fractured ribs, that can lead to a whole laundry list of complications. So we hope that's not the case. But uh, something to keep an eye upon and something why the Senate majority has become so important is because we realize that they get to uh, hold confirmation hearings for a Supreme Court nominee put forth by the president. So something to keep an eye upon. But Ed Morrissey, who joined us for election night coverage this past Tuesday, uh, he wrote a piece at uh, hotair.com talking about how that uh, it was basically, depending upon the perspective, what perspective you want to take, who won the midterm elections. Uh, and here's a from his piece, uh, the biggest takeaway I write in my column at The Week is the reversion of Trump country in the blue wall back to its political identity, a reversion that has serious implications for 2020. It's a reminder of the real issue in 2016, which wasn't that Trump expanded GOP horizons as much as Hillary Clinton shrank Democrats. And again, here's from Ed Morrissey's column at The Week. Uh, In all these states, Republicans did better than four years earlier, but Democrats got fired up as well. This points to a key weakness that many forget about Trump's 2016 win, especially in the blue wall states. Trump didn't win by turning out a new segment of disaffected voters as much as Hillary Clinton lost by failing to turn out Democrats. In 2016, Clinton won 
1.37 million Minnesota votes. Barack Obama had won 1.55 million four years earlier. Trump only added 2,000 to Mitt Romney's 2012 total, hardly much motion at all. But that was enough for Trump to come closer than any Republican since Ronald Reagan to winning the state. However, he did it by standing still as Clinton underperformed. When Democrats show up to vote, Minnesota reverts back to its blue state identity. Oh, yeah, we're going to get to that in the second hour. There's no doubt about it. Uh, anyways, continuing with Ed Morrissey's column, uh, the f- same formula holds in other three blue wall states. In Wisconsin, both Clinton and Trump underperformed 2012's results. Clinton underperformed by 238,000. Trump only underperformed 5,000 compared to 2012. Clinton dropped almost 300,000 votes from Obama's 2012 performance in Michigan, which produced 131,000 fewer votes between the two major party candidates than in the previous cycle. Pennsylvania is alone in having a higher combined 2016 vote total over 2012, but Clinton still comes up short of Obama's performance in the earlier cycle by 64,000 votes and lost the state by 44,000. That's not to say Trump had no effect on voters, either in the midterms or in the 2016 election. The two House pickups in rural Minnesota were in significant part inspired by Trump, and the GOP's better Senate results were clearly driven by Trump's barnstorming in the final weeks of the midterms. But there again, what Trump did in those states was produce a return to basic political identity in red states and red House districts, while Democrats used Trump and hot-button political issues such as health care to do the same in blue states and blue House districts. So uh, naturally... Whenever 2018 is done, we take a while to do kind of a postmortem, see what's happening, and then people take time away for, with their families to enjoy Thanksgiving and Christmas, and then the new Congress gets sworn in in January. And then, as is tradition, uh, after a midterm election, when a new con- Congress is sworn in in January, the presidential race starts to ramp up. We, get, we, we don't get a whole lot of break. Okay, remember remember back in the day when presidential candidates announced like in November of December, like 12, 11 to 12 months before the actual presidential election? Now it's a basically a year and a half, almost two years of campaigning for president. Now for a political talk show host, hey, it's all good, right? Because then we got fodder every week. I get that. But mercy's sake, it's just, it's got to be demoralizing for some Americans. Now, you know, maybe some Americans won't tune in right away. Because, again, I, I, I tune in to different uh, news outlets and, and uh, news websites regularly just because I want to stay engaged in current events so I have something to talk about every Sunday, or at least I try to make it sound like I know what I'm talking about. So, you know, for me, it's all good, but I, I, I just, I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm not suggesting any laws be made to, to, to uh, move back the uh, earliest to move up the earliest, or, or excuse me, move back the earliest you can announce to run for president, but just it just goes on too long. But these are all these are all serious issues that that Trump has to face in 2020. And again, this is what he doesn't seem to understand, or maybe doesn't want to understand, is that whomever the candidate is going to be in 2020, it's not going to be Hillary Clinton. We think. I don't know. Uh, and even if it is Hillary Clinton, guess what? If Trump continues to have a underwater approval rating, that could have an impact because he had a golden opportunity here with, I think it was about two-thirds of people surveyed said they are satisfied with the economic performance, but that satisfaction was tempered significantly by Trump's uh, just, at times, very rancorous behavior or his, or his uh, shall we say, very coarse rhetoric. Okay, because it's not presidential in people's minds. So this was a golden opportunity for you know, so for Trump to say, well, you know, this this uh, this isn't you know this is better than a lot of presidents do you know after their first two years, and that's true. I mean, Obama got shellacked in 2010. I mean, they lost control of the House of Representatives and made a dent, serious dent in the Democrats' Senate majority. Go back to 1994. The Republicans, think about this, when the Republicans won control of the House in 1994, it was the first time they had a House majority in 40 years, 4-0, 40 years. That's amazing. And it, a sit, Tom Foley, who was the sitting Speaker of the House for the Democrats in t- 1994, lost 
reelection for his own House seat. And Republicans also took over control of the United States Senate as well. So that's true. Previous presidents had have had it much more difficult after their first two years. But the problem with Trump is he had a golden opportunity to actually stem the tide in the House, maybe even, you know, neutralize whatever gains Democrats had. But again, because of how he is on a personal level, um, that didn't happen. And so what he's got to realize is that it's not like he so incredibly outperformed any Republican candidates for president before him. It's just that people didn't like Hillary Clinton. And so a lot of folks ended up staying home. And after four years of Trump, he's not going to have that advantage again where Democrats are going to stay home. I think we could pretty much uh, put set that one in stone. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow, hashtag N-A-R-N Show. And go check out the Northern Alliance Radio Network on Facebook. Give our Facebook page a like if you so desire. Feel free to comment or leave questions there as well. And we'll be back in mere moments on the Northern Alliance. Go nowhere. Pat Boone here again, and I assure you, I have never before endorsed a pain relief product. Not until now. Not until Relief Factor came along as a 100% drug-free solution for people struggling with ordinary pain. Quite simply, Relief Factor was designed by doctors to help relieve those occasional aches and pains due to aging, exercise, and everyday living. Let me ask you, are aches and pains keeping you from sleeping through the night? or keeping you from taking those nice long walks or playing golf or tennis. You can't really call it living if you can't get around comfortably. The three-week quick start from Relief Factor may be all you need to lower or even eliminate these pains. A whole lot of people have already gone to relieffactor.com, and here's something you need to know. The majority of people who order the three-week quick start, now only $19.95, go on to order more. Let's see if we can get you out of pain, too. Go to relieffactor.com. This is Dr. Sebastian Gorkov. President Obama's eight years of leading from behind left the world in flames. From Russia's invasion of Ukraine to North Korea's missile tests and a growing ISIS caliphate. Under President Trump, American leadership is being restored. But that does not mean our enemies have disappeared. That's why I wrote my new book, Why We Fight, Defeating America's Enemies with No Apologies. As a former deputy assistant to President Trump for strategy, I explained the threats posed by enemies like Russia, China, and the global jihadi movement. We must know our enemies and have the will to defeat them. In my book, Why We Fight, we take off the political correctness blinders of the Obama years and learn how we can vanquish our enemies without mortal combat. Sebastian Gorka's new book, Why We Fight, Defeating America's Enemies with No Apologies, is available now from Amazon and Barnes & Noble. It's time for the Narn Report. This is America, and America is a nation of immigrants. Just about everyone listening to the sound of my voice right now is descended from someone who came to North America in the last 400 years. And this, creating new Americans, people who believe in what America is, has always been a strength. But over the last 50 years, the Democratic establishment has perverted immigration, focusing on creating a pipeline for new Democrat voters with little or no priority placed on actually becoming American. All the other problems with immigration, refugee resettlement, asylum, kids at the border, they're all secondary to the real issue. Making immigration about creating new Americans should be, it has to be the goal. The problem won't be solved by sloganeering. The people are going to have to demand political leadership that can focus on the real issue, making new Americans, not just headcounts. Join the conversation Saturday and Sunday afternoons from 1 to 3 here on AM 1280, The Patriot. Welcome back, AM 1280, The Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. I walk a lonely road, the only one that I have ever known. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N-Show for any comments or questions regarding today's show content. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in. 
And we do have a phone call on line one. Lori from Bloomington is calling in. Hey, Lori, you are on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go ahead. Thanks, Brad. Here's my question. I'm I'm pretty political, but I don't understand the ins and outs of what is called a lame duck presidency. We still have both houses and the presidency. What? Why do we have to have a duck that is lame? We could push through legislation now. Why don't we do that? And I'm going to just hang up and listen. Thanks, Brad. Okay. Thanks, Lori. I appreciate the call. Um, have people been calling this a lame duck presidency? Because if so, yeah, that's a... That's a misnomer. It's a lame duck Congress from the standpoint that this particular Congress uh, that is in place as it exists right now can go ahead and pass legislation, and a good number of members can do so without fear of facing the ballot box because they're either retiring or have lost reelection or whatever, and their successors aren't yet in place. So obviously, given that the Democrats have flipped at least 30 seats, and in addition, there may be some Republicans and Democrats who have been retired that will be succeeded by other uh, members of their same party. Uh, therefore, they can. the lame duck comes basically comes from the standpoint you can cast votes without fear of uh, uh, facing an election because there's not another election for two years. And like I say, a new session of Congress will be sworn in or new, uh, new members of Congress will be sworn in January. Many of them are the same, but not all of them. So that's what that refers to. But if someone's calling this a lame duck presidency— uh, yeah, that's not accurate because obviously Trump is still going to be in place uh, for a couple more years. So uh, I don't know if that answers the, the question, Laurie, but I appreciate the call. Um, but I, I I agree with you. If someone's calling this a lame duck presidency, then that's uh, that's that's not correct. And and if they're using it as a term that's saying he's weakened, well, that's not what a lame duck is, or that's not the context it's used in. So anyhow, appreciate the uh, appreciate the phone call. Uh, one thing that I did uh, want to look at a little bit, and I want to continue expounding upon Ed Morrissey's piece at Hot Air this past week, uh, he cites a Wall Street Journal report about how Trump definitely has to reach out to uh, expand the voter base in 2020 because, again, he can't dep- he can't rely upon hundreds of thousands of voters staying home like he did in 2016. Again, a lot of Democrat people who typically vote Democrat stayed home because they didn't like Hillary Clinton, and they sure as heck weren't going to vote for Donald Trump. So I'm not going to say Trump won the election by default. He still had to go out there and and make things happen and work it, but he's not going to have that advantage this time around. I mean, you know, it's one thing if he, you know, if he has the power of incumbency and if the economy continues to do well, there may still be some moderate Republicans that will hold their nose and say, well. You know, Trump is just awful, uh, but, you know, I'll I'll vote for him because the economy is good. Or there may be some, there may be some conservatives who, and I've heard some firsthand testimonials of conservatives that have said, you know what, I didn't vote for the guy, but it's undeniable this is one of the more conservative agendas that's been passed since, since Reagan. So, eh, you know, if this keeps up, maybe I'll vote for him. Who's to say? But again, this is from the Wall Street Journal. The House defeat is also a message from moderate Republicans and independents, especially women, put off by Trump's rancorous style. A question in the October Wall Street Journal NBC poll puts this problem in sharp relief. While 44% of voters approve of Mr. Trump's policies, some 20% like his policies but dislike him personally. That 20% is five times the percentage who disliked George W. Bush but liked his policies when he lost the House in 2006, and 10 times the share that disliked Barack Obama in 2013. Worse for Mr. Trump, the share of voters who dislike him personally but like his politics uh, uh, increased in the past two years. This is extraordinary for a new president and reveals his missed opportunity. Some two-thirds of voters on Tuesday expressed satisfaction with the economy, and these are people he'd win if he didn't alienate him with his narcissism and petulance. Uh, I'd just like to expand on that run real quick. That That's something I think I said last segment, or maybe it was in the um, in the NARN preview video that I did on the Facebook Live uh, before the show. If two-thirds uh, expressed satisfaction with the economy, that was an incredible lost opportunity. Because if he would have done that presidential pivot, he always said he would do during the campaign, says, well, when I get in that White House, I'm going to be so presidential, you're not going to recognize me. I'm still waiting on that, by the way. I'm serious. This this is what he said. 
And I know a lot of things Trump says has a shelf life, and I know a lot of the comments he makes, you know, he he doesn't really put a lot of thought into them, and he just throws them out there and doesn't know if they're true or not. A lot of times they are factually dubious. But this shows a lost opportunity. Had you combined these phenomenal economic numbers with at least giving a modicum of presidential behavior, you might have not only mitigated the lost seats in the House, you might have been able to kept a, keep a scant majority, which is unheard of for a president in his first term to keep a majority in both chambers. It Unheard of. I, I, I'd be hard-pressed to think of the last time it happened. I think it happened with George W. Bush, but that is kind of special circumstances because 9-11 happened just a year earlier. So people f- felt that the country was at least unified and, and felt that maybe, okay, President Bush deserves a chance to see this through and therefore should have uh, should have the full Congress at his disposal, i.e. one-party control. That's just a guess. I don't know. But before George W. Bush, I'd be hard-pressed to think of a, a president whose party kept both chambers of, of, of Congress. So anyways, uh, I'll finish up this piece. Uh, unlike Richard Nixon or Ronald Reagan, Mr. Trump has made no effort to build a larger coalition than the minority who helped win the presidency narrowly over Hillary Clinton. Instead, he has played constantly to his base, who are already loyal. If he wants to be reelected, he will have to win over more suburban Republicans and independents. Yeah, I, I don't know how he does that from here forth. I mean, it, it's very clear in the in, in the press conference he held the day after the election that he thought it went incredibly well. And one thing about a guy who's a 70-year-old billionaire, when you've got to the point in life you've, you, you've reached, you don't really think you, that you have to change a whole lot. Because in Trump's mind, this is the way I've always been. This is the way I've always interacted. I've always operated under chaos. If I have to be blunt, so be it. Things will get done, da-da-da. And in his mind, he looks at this. You know, these are the, I, I mean, uh, Joe Biden's former economic advisor, I forget the gentleman's name, Jared Bernstein, I think it was. I forget the gentleman's name. But the point is, he said, there's no way to spin it. These are some of the best economic numbers you could possibly ask for. All right? And Trump hearing all that and knowing that he's got a couple more Supreme Court picks if if he needs to be because the Senate is going to remain in Republican hands for at least the next couple of years, you know, why why would he feel like he needs to reach out to, to any new voters? You know, this is something he's done throughout his entire presidency. He goes to these states that he won handily in 2016, like, you know, like West Virginia or like North Dakota or Missouri or Ohio or Florida. And he draws these raucous crowds and he just, you know, revels in it. And it's basically a message to his critics say, I can pretty much go anywhere in the country that I want right now and get these crowds of adoring fans that are always going to pack the rafters and Inevitably, there are going to be people turned away. And look at this. The people love me. Well, you know, but that's not going to carry you through to 2020 if all you're doing is appealing to people who already support you. Now, again, there may be some new supporters. I've I, I've indicated that, and again, this is all anecdotal, that there are plenty of conservatives who doubted Trump, didn't vote for Trump, voted for one of the third-party candidates, whether, whether it was Evan McMullen or Gary Johnson or whomever else. And they say, you know what? I was a Trump skeptic, but it's hard to deny the economic success and the conservative agenda. It definitely was never this. This conservative agenda definitely didn't happen during the Bush years. You know, Bush 43 or Bush 40, uh, 45. Uh, I'm sorry, Bush 41 or Bush 43. Didn't happen either of those times. So there have been some conservatives who have been made believers. But then on the other hand, there are some who held their nose and voted for Trump and can't get past the coarse rhetoric. And they want their presidents to be more presidential and not embarrass us on the world stage. So the bottom line is, is that uh, Trump doesn't seem to be learning any potential lessons from these midterms. And I don't know that, that he will or not. Now, again, uh, the Democrats don't underestimate the Democrats to screw this up. You know, because they put forth a candidate in 2020 that is going to be on par with Hillary Clinton, something that moderate Democrats can't get on board with. You may have another situation again where, where, where 
some of these moderate, moderate Democrats will stay home. But again, as we saw, some of these very close victories that Trump had in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan, uh, even Florida was close back in 2016, it's not going to take a whole lot for people to come back out, okay? Because again, I, I can't reiterate enough, he's he's not going to have the advantage of a bunch of folks, hundreds of thousands staying home again, as did from 2012 to 2016. Uh, AM 1280, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. And here to take your calls at 651-289-4488. Please feel free to weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow, hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Back with another segment coming up on the broadcast. Go nowhere. Right now at CVS Pharmacy, you can earn up to 50 extra bucks rewards each year just for filling prescriptions which means the medicines you take to stay healthy might also do a little something for the health of your wallet. So visit your local CVS pharmacy to sign up and start earning up to 50 extra bucks rewards on prescriptions. Terms and conditions apply. Not valid on all prescriptions, including those purchased in Arkansas, New Jersey, or New York. Other state restrictions apply. See cvs.com slash rxrewards or the pharmacy for details. Hi, this is Matthew with the Kingdom Builders. I don't have one thing in my life that I can boast about. Every single thing that is good is a direct result of Christ's salvation in my life. Matthew uh, is one that you might be talking to if you call our number. He's my son-in-law. We've established a great relationship over the past few years, and we pray that that might continue as he serves in the capacity of, of running the office. Well, when someone calls, usually I just try to see what their needs are and whether it's estimating for gutters or a roof or a repair if the roof is leaking. My focus is just always on trying to honor God in how I interact with people. You know, I just try not to add anything or subtract anything from what the Lord would have us do. I'm really excited to be fielding your calls today and talking to you about the needs you might have on your roof or gutters. For a free and obviously no obligation estimate, contact us by phone at 612-900-9166 or look us up online at thekingdombuilders.net. I'm sure glad you're my sister, Addie. Yep, you're my best buddy. Mom says you were their little surprise. What would we do without you? Well, you'll probably get your own gum. Yeah, that's true, but you're worth it. Hello, my name is Carrie. I work with Pro-Life Across America, the billboard people. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives to abortion or needs post-abortion assistance or would like to support the life-saving work of Pro-Life Across America, please call 1-800-366-7773 or check us out online at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Pro-Life Across America, educational, non-political, and tax-deductible. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Pro-Life Across America, the Billboard people. If you could cook up the world's greatest radio station, what ingredients would you need? We'd start by mixing in high-quality, free-range wellness experts. Then we'd add in a generous scoop of the topics that matter most to you. Finally, we'd stir in a certified organic website full of helpful resources and garnish with a specialized mobile app. No, it's not some half-baked idea. It's on the air right now. Wellness Radio 1570, online at TwinCitiesWellnessRadio.com. Welcome back to AM 1280 The Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks as always for tuning in. Again, check out my blog at bradcarlson.org. And you're here to take your phone call at 651-289-4488. Weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow, hashtag N-A-R-N Show for any comments or questions. Hey folks, are you a member of the uh, Freedom Fan Club as of yet? Well, you could be. It's all the perks of a rewards card with none of the hassle. The AM1280 The Patriot Fan Club. Go to am1280thepatriot.com, click on Fan Club for pre-access, pre-sale access to tickets, exclusive content, prizes, and more. And don't forget our November book of the month. It is entitled, Why We Fight, Defeating America's Enemies with No Apologies. It's by Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Uh, again, that is your book of the month for November. If you sign up for the, uh, again, the Patriot Fan Club at am1280thepatriot.com, you have an opportunity to win a free copy 
of that book by Dr. Sebastian Gorka, who is quite often heard on these very airwaves, AM 1280 The Patriot. Uh, he's a frequent guest on the Larry Elder Show. So uh, Dr. Gorka, very uh, intriguing individual, wrote this uh, latest book. Uh, so go check it out, m1280thepatriot.com, your one-stop shop for uh, all exciting things going on in, uh, in conservative politics as well as with our radio station and fantastic events. Look forward to uh, hearing from you and uh, seeing the fans, uh, the number of fans piling up of this radio station. We know you're out there, and uh, we appreciate your support. The one thing I noticed about this past week is the Democrats were really doubling down on identity politics, particularly how you know they like to tout that they have the most women representatives and most minority representatives, the highest number of minority women. Uh, obviously, uh, they, they're proud of the fact they elected an openly gay governor in, in Colorado, and this the GOP is this white, racist, misogynistic old old man party. You know that's that's how they were. That's how they're framing this. I mean, right here in the state of Minnesota, Ilhan Omar was elected in Congressional District Five, and she is being touted as the first Muslim female to be elected to Congress. No doubt, it's historic. No question about it. And and they're and and they're just touting that as you know for, first. Muslim female member of Congress, so, uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez out of New York, you know, uh, youngest female to ever be elected to Congress and, uh, you know, have uh, Hispanic descent. And, and they went through a whole laundry list of uh, minority for, uh, firsts for Democrat candidates. And you know what? Kudos, because we are a very diverse country. And as a result, it, we should encourage more people to run for elected office, regardless of, of gender, race, ethnicity, religious background, what have you, sexual orientation, whatever. doesn't matter. But yet this, is, this seems to be the, the thing that, that uh, is the biggest qualifier for them. Okay, Because if we, if we bring up the fact that uh, Ilhan Omar back in 2012 tweeted out some inflammatory comments about Israel, which is an allied country to the United States, or if we're pointing out that she has had uh, allegations of mishandling campaign contributions to her state house campaign, because, of course, she was a Minnesota state rep for a couple of years before she was elected to Congress. Then all of a sudden, well, you, you know, you're, you, this is just a, these are just partisan attacks because she's the first ever female member of Congress. You see how they're setting this up? They, they, they bring up these aspects of their lives to try to insulate them from criticism. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you listen to any interview she's done, and she's asked over and over and over and over and over again, how do you plan to pay for Medicare for all? You keep touting this entitlement package of Medicare for all. How do you plan to pay for it? And she never has a definitive, substantive answer to it. And so when you call out her economic illiteracy, you don't even have to say anything. All you have to do is play her comments on an endless loop. Well, you're you're attacking the youngest female ever to to to, to be elected to Congress. You know that's a, that's kind of misogynistic, isn't it? Really? Because all I'm hearing about is that women and minorities and whatever other segment of the population you want to you want to parse out, saying they deserve an equal opportunity to serve. And I agree wholeheartedly, 100. percent You know what else comes with that equal opportunity? It's equal speculation, equal criticism. All right. But yet, that seems to be, they, they seem to be exempt from that. And Bernie Sanders came out this past week and kind of almost hinted around that racism explains some of the more high-profile progressive defeats. Because initially it looked like Andrew Gillum, who was the Democrat candidate uh, in Florida for Florida governor, a black man, Stacey Abrams, a black woman running for governor of Georgia, both Democrats and both uber-progressive, dare I say Democratic Socialist, and both were looked to have been defeated. Now, uh, Florida's going to a recount, but it looks like Ron DeSantis, a Republican candidate, has a sizable lead. I don't see how Gillum's going to overcome that. And Stacey Abrams still hasn't conceded, even though there's no realizable path or realistic path for her to victory. But uh, this is from a National uh, Review column. Uh, Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont says a reluctance of white voters to support minority candidates explains the defeat of a number of highly touted progressive candidates in Tuesday's midterms. <clears throat> I, I don't do a very good Bernie Sanders, but I'll give it a shot. I think, you know, there are a lot of white folks out there 
were not necessarily racist who felt uncomfortable for the first time in their lives about whether or not they wanted to vote for an African-American, Sanders told the Daily Beast in an interview published Thursday. I think next time around, by the way, it will be a lot easier for them to do that. Or, let me just spitball here, they don't like progressivism. Did that ever occur to him? Is he so insulated in his little Vermont bubble that there are people who don't like government controlling every aspect of our lives? Has that ever occurred to him? It should because it gets, continues to be rejected. Except in like uber leftist districts like the congressional district where Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was was elected and CD5, which is like an R plus or excuse me, a D plus 25 to 30 district, okay, you could get a wind-up set of chattering teeth run as a Democrat in CD5 and still get 50 60% of the vote. Just put a D next to your name and it's all good. See, it's all, this, here, here, let, let's just put this as, as clearly as I possibly can. Myself being a conservative, and I'm sure there are other conservatives who would back me up on this. If you have a candidate who is out there that is touting the virtues of limited, limited government, Okay, less regulation, lower taxes, an ardent commitment to defending civil liberties, including and especially the Second Amendment. I don't care what gender you are. I don't care what sexual orientation you are. I don't care what religion you are. I don't care what color you are. Those are the issues. If someone carries those issues on my behalf, I'm voting for them. I don't need to see what they look like. I don't need to know what they do behind closed doors in their home. Uh, assuming they're not committing crimes, of course. That goes without saying, right? That that That's the thing. It's like, this is the problem with identity politics. Is that they expect segments of the population to all walk in lockstep with one ideology. And that's why you get Vogue coming out with an article entitled, Why Do White Women Keep Voting for the GOP and Against Their Own Interests? Maybe it's because white women, oh, I don't know, have a diversity of thought? Maybe they, maybe their number one issue isn't reproductive rights? Maybe they feel like, you know what, I can afford to pay for birth control if it's over the counter? I don't need government to subsidize that kind of stuff? Yeah, I'll read a couple of paragraphs from this uh, from this Vogue article. It's becoming something of a bleak election night ritual. Assessing the exit polls and seeing that white women voters overwhelmingly threw their support behind conservative Republican male candidates again. Okay, today more than ever, women, whether it's white women or whomever, but because they're referring to white women, let's just let's just keep it in that category. White women uh, have more opportunities than they've ever had before. You know, particularly when it comes to the business world. Some are in high executive positions within major corporations. Others are small business owners owning their own business. And so, therefore, they look at the Republican platform and say, you know what? The Republican platform, their ideology is more aligned from what my biggest issue is, which is my livelihood, my business that I've put in blood, sweat, and tears to create, to build from the ground up, and use as a means to support my family. And my family is a number one most important to me, so obviously I'm going to vote for the candidate who ensures that I have the best possibility to succeed. And in most cases, that's a, that's a Republican because Republicans like to be very business friendly and allow people to build their own businesses and be that lifeblood of the economy. So I, I don't. Th- this just seems. This just seems to fly in the face of that whole freedom thing. If you expect all women, all white women, all minorities to just vote in lockstep with Democrats, in what sane and rational world is that freedom? Is that diversity? No, it seems to fly in the whole face of the freedom thing. And and the one thing they also are bringing up is like uh, the new uh, members of the U.S. House coming in. I believe there were 61 new Democrats coming into the U.S. House and 31 new Republicans coming into the to the U.S. House. And what they're pointing out is of those, of all of those, let me, I've got the stats right here. I should probably be better prepared and have these uh, links open. 
when I'm citing these statistics. So of the new U.S. House members, yeah, there's, the Democrats have 61 freshmen, and that would include 35 women and just 19 white men. So the majority of the 61 freshmen Democrats in the U.S. House are women. By contrast, Republicans' class of 31 would include 29 white men and just one woman. So obviously that's going to underscore the leftist chanting points of how Republicans are an old white male misogynistic party. But it's far too simplistic to just break it down to that point. Because number one, uh, what are the each race is different. You maybe had to work hard just to find a Republican candidate to run on these particular races. Maybe there wasn't a, a bruising primary. If there was a primary, maybe it was all men that decided to run. Because who are some of the most denigrated members of the political class today? It's women, it's Republican women and Republican minorities. Look at some of the awful things that were said about Senator Tim Scott. Okay, black senator, Republican, out of South Carolina. You know, and yet he continues to, and he was reelected to his Senate seat. I think it was 2014 he was reelected. Okay, after, I think he was initially appointed by then Governor Nikki Haley. Oh, hey, Nikki Haley, there's a, there's a perfect example. A minority woman was governor of South Carolina and then was U.S. ambassador to the U.N. Okay. The awful, vile things that were said about her. Look at look at Ben Carson when he was running for president back in 2016, and now he's the HUD secretary. I mean, this is a brilliant, accomplished man. For for all of the caterwauling the left does about how minorities aren't getting a fair shake, aren't getting a great opportunity. Look what Ben Carson came from. One of them. That's an Amer- That is literally an American dream to become a brain surgeon, and how basically they turned him into a cartoon character. Because he dared run for president as a Republican. What's my point in all this? Republican women and Republican minorities see all of the invective that are thrown at their fellow Republicans and say, you know what? I don't want any part of that. It's not worth it to be have my name dragged through the mud, to have my family witness my name dragged through the mud, to awful, vile things that are said about Republican women and Republican minorities. I'm not I'm not running for that. So it almost becomes kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. You get all this concern trolling by the left, say, well, the Republicans, they aren't, they aren't very diverse, uh, uh, you know, don't have a lot of women uh, uh, candidates, don't have a lot of minority candidates. But when they do run and when some even get elected, look, look how they're talked about, as if they're betraying their gender or betraying their race. You know? So you can't win with these people. And you know what? I don't want to... I don't want to try it. Try to get in their heads what they're thinking. Well, you you kind of get an idea what they're thinking. You know, they have this expectation that all women and minorities should be in their camp. So, um, if you're trying to win new voters over to your side, I, I, I think criticizing their voting choice is probably not the best first step to go about it. But again, your mileage may vary. Six five one two eight nine four four eight eight is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow, hashtag N-A-R-N Show. One final segment coming up this hour on the Closers edition of the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go nowhere. AM1280, The Patriot. Hi, this is Terry Sandvold, CEO of Sandvold Financial Group and host of Money Talks. Sandvold Financial Group would like to help provide the sturdy foundation for your financial future. We want you to plan for tomorrow, today. Give us a call to attend an upcoming seminar at 952-544-2837. That's 952-544-2837. Or go to helpmeterry.com to set up a no-cost financial review today. Registered representative of and independent of Questar Capital Corporation. Member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Questar Asset Management. This is Lon Chen of the Hoover Institution for townhall.com. Americans turned out on Tuesday in big numbers to vote in a critical and hotly contested midterm election. While Democrats were able to win control of the House, the big story is that Republicans will add to their majority in the U.S. Senate. That's significant for two reasons. First, the incoming freshman class of GOP senators includes an impressive group of leaders like Mitt Romney, Josh Hawley, and Rick Scott, who will stand for policies that promote economic growth, provide for a strong national defense, and advance conservative reforms. Second, and perhaps more importantly, a Republican Senate means that President Trump's appointees, in particular to the federal courts, will continue to be confirmed. 
This is great news for those who value constitutional restraint and the rule of law. The 2018 midterm election was consequential indeed, and its impacts will surely be felt for years to come. I'm Lon He Chen. For more information, please visit townhallreview.com. The Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy, America's unique graduate leadership degree, offered on its most beautiful campus. I'm Staff Sergeant Mark Anthony I'm Madrid. Staff Sergeant Samantha Cowell. I'm Staff Sergeant I'm Alex Staff Stevens. Sergeant William Lewis, and I am proud to defend my family and our nation. The Air Force Reserve is part of the story of this great nation. I'm grateful that I have a chance to wear the uniform of the heroes that went before me. I'm proud to be part of a team that helps make a difference in the world. Every day, men and women from communities across this nation serve as reserve citizen airmen. Even as technology evolves and changes, our commitment to defend and protect this nation remains steadfast. We celebrate those who have served and those who are proudly serving. We celebrate our proud history and look towards an exciting and uniting future. Our mission is to fly, fight, and win in air, space, and cyberspace. And I am proud to be a member. And I'm proud to serve in the United States. And I am proud to protect our country. Proud to serve in the U.S. Air Force Reserve. AFreserve.com. Bring home big bucks with hunting boots from Chet's Shoes. No matter the weather or terrain in your neck of the woods this deer hunting season, Chet's has a boot for you. We work hard to make sure you're comfortable on your feet so you can focus on the deer, not how wet or cramped you are. Don't settle for seeking out your boots in a big box store. Step into Chet's where you'll find personalized one-on-one customer service. Our Red Wing stores feature one of the largest selections of Irish setter hunting boots. Visit us today. If the shoe fits, you've been to Chet's. Welcome back, AM 12 and Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks for tuning in. One final segment this hour. This edition of The Closer, 651-289-4488 is the number to call. So weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow, hashtag NARN Show for any comments or questions regarding today's show content. As always, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, anybody re- uh, ready for a repeat of the Florida 2000 recount? Oh my gosh, I just uh, I get hives when I think about that. I I I attribute that particular election, and you, the listeners, can decide whether this is a good thing or a bad thing. That really deepened my involvement in politics. And some of you may be saying, "Oh my God, I wish you you know had it not, he wouldn't be on, he wouldn't be blabbering away on Sundays on this radio station." But uh, eh, you know, it happened. But I remember vividly the 2000 election. I, you know, I voted for George W. Bush, and I was in Bismarck, North Dakota, on a business business trip that week, election week. So I actually voted absentee, and I was watching the election results Monday night, and I just I couldn't stay awake. I ended up falling asleep. I said, "I'll check with it in the morning." I can't imagine where I, where I am today. I can't imagine f- trying to fall asleep wondering what happened. There's no way I could do it. No way I could do it. So I remember waking up the next morning, and I saw that the combined electoral votes was less than 538. I'm like, well, why isn't it over yet? And then I started to hear about how Florida ended up being uh, too close to call. So we all know what happened there. Lawsuits. uh, Al Gore only wanted specific uh, ballots counted in Broward County and Palm Beach County. Does that sound familiar? And uh, he only and he wanted a different standard for how all these recounts were handled and whatnot. And eventually, the Secretary of State certified George W. Bush to the winner after the automatic recount and then a manual recount. Florida followed state law, followed procedure, and it ended up Al Gore ended up abandoning his White House bid just before Christmas of two thousand. And George W. Bush was then inaugurated, and it was all good. Well, we kind of have a repeat of that because apparently, the Rick Scott was elected U.S. Senator, and Ron DeSantis was elected governor, which his opponent, Democrat Andrew Gillum, ended up conceding. He even conceded election night. Uh, Bill Nelson, the incumbent U.S. Senator, did not, but it just seemed like a, a fait accompli. Well, it turns out that there were some shenanigans afoot in Broward and Palm Beach counties, and uh, National Review editor Charles C.W. Cook, who now himself is a Florida resident, was on the case. Uh, He said this was a column I think he wrote Thursday or Friday morning. I keep seeing national journalists insisting that Florida must count every vote. And frankly, I'm completely perplexed as to why, given that nobody is suggesting that the vote counting should be halted. On the contrary, 
Rick Scott is suing Broward and Palm Beach counties not because he wants the information that they are, not because he wants them to start trashing good ballots, but because they are failing to release the information that they are obliged to release under Florida law. Scott's demand is for transparency, not for closure. And in the case of Broward, it's being made against a county that is notoriously incompetent and a commissioner who has already been found in violation of state and federal law, who has a habit of destroying ballots and who is already under uh, state supervision. The Washington Post says that democracy dies in darkness. Aren't we all supposed to agree? And then the Florida election law requires specifically that the canvassing board shall report all early voting and all tabulated vote-by-mail results to the state Department of State within 30 minutes after the polls closed. Thereafter, the canvassing board shall report, with the exception of provisional ballot results, updated precinct election results to the department at least every 45 minutes until all results are completely reported. The supervisor of elections shall notify the department immediately of any circumstances that do not permit periodic updates as required. Results shall be submitted in a format prescribed by the department. And Charles C.W. Cook continues, neither Palm Beach County nor Broward County has followed these rules, which led to widespread confusion and mistrust as the vote totals continued to be updated without anyone knowing the context, sources, or scope. The problem the, that is the problem here, not some imaginary injunction to stop counting votes. But yet, that's already the narrative that's being put out there. In fact, people are already revising history about 2000. It's like, well, you know, they got a whole two terms of President George W. Bush the last time Republicans interfered in Florida elections. Uh, look what they're going for now. So uh, I'm not all that keen on reliving or relitigating what happened 18 years ago. But I'm even less so on the fact that we still have the revisionist historians on what happened in 2000. But it's news, inevitably, and uh, we'll be here right at the Northern Alliance Radio Network to cover it every step of the way as best we can. So, our number one in the books, our number two coming up in mere moments. We're going to talk Minnesota elections coming up in the second hour. AM 1280, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network, back in mere moments. Go nowhere. Closing time. One last call for alcohol, so finish your whiskey or beer. Closing time, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay. Are you a member of our rewards program? Yeah, I had the card here somewhere. We've all been there, rustling around for a rewards card you can't seem to find. At AM 1280 The Patriot, we've simplified the process. All the perks, none of the hassle. It's the Freedom Fan Club, where you'll get early access to tickets, exclusive content, prizes, and more. Sign up at am1280thepatriot.com. If you're anything like me, the Summer Road Construction did a number on your windshield this season. Hi, John Wichko, owner of Advantage Auto Glass, here to thank you for a great summer and to remind you that with cooler temperatures, those small cracks are going to turn into big ones, seriously compromising the safety of your windshield. Now's the time to take care of them and get that new windshield you've been needing all summer. Call Advantage Auto Glass today at 952-423-6396 and we'll replace your windshield with only the highest quality parts and adhesives. Advantage will come to your home or work anywhere in the metro. We're a local family-owned company and a preferred shop for all major insurance companies. That means you'll get personalized service, and we do all the billing, all backed by a lifetime warranty. All you do is call Advantage, and we'll take care of everything. And don't forget, you can schedule your appointment on our website at ReplaceMyWindshield.com. That's ReplaceMyWindshield.com. Hello, I'm Mark Stoneman, president of WNAV Audiovisual. WNAV Audiovisual provides equipment and technicians for events of all sizes, from a handful of people to large ballrooms and convention centers as well. We also provide installation services for churches, schools, and corporations. No matter how many people are at your event, WNAV has the technicians and expertise along with the equipment to make each event successful. Audiovisual services include equipment such as sound systems, microphones, projection systems with screens, laptops, 
draping, lighting, and all the related equipment, and also web streaming services, so your meeting can go beyond the four walls of your space. WNAV Audiovisual, where your meeting is our business. Please contact us at WNAV-video.com. Join Gene Sullivan each week on Where You Live, where he takes on... Uh, Gene, who do you take on anyway? Maniacal landlords, slippery renters, overbearing HOA boards, demanding homeowners. Oh, and the legislative lunacy brought on by local politicians wanting to fix everything for us. It's a common sense perspective on the news and stories that affect you the most right where you live. Join Gene Sullivan every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. on AM 1280 The Patriot. AM 1280 The Patriot is WWTC Minneapolis-St. Paul, FM 107.5.